Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening, all the way from southeastern Brazil, is missionary Ed Johnson and his family. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. It's so good to be here with you today. Good. I specifically did not try to pronounce the name of the town you are from in Brazil. Can you tell me what it is? Uh, so we're in Taubaté, Brazil. <laughs> uh, but it's easy to say the Paraíba Valley. The Paraíba Valley? Yeah, Paraíba Valley. Paraíba Valley. In Portuguese, it would be Vale do Paraíba. Vale do Paraíba. The Pariba <laughs> Valley. Okay. Correct. Wonderful. That's good. So <clears throat> uh, you are here in Colorado with your family. And uh, one of the things you're going to be doing is you're going to be leaving your daughter here in the United States for when you go back. That is correct. You're just tired of her. You've had enough. Absolutely. And you're dropping her off with family and you're, and you're running. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so your daughter is going to be going to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And then while you're in the States, uh, your wife has some family in Denver. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So you're visiting some family and what else do you do when you come back to the States? So we've been, uh, missionaries in Brazil for 15 years Mm -hmm. and uh, usually a missionary will be on the field for a certain amount of time and then come back to the States for uh, a certain period of time to visit supporting churches, to to try to raise new support Mm -hmm. and also to visit family and friends. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll be in the States, uh, visiting our supporting churches, visiting new churches. Um, we're trying to raise money for our property there in Brazil for property for the church. And then, um, obviously taking our daughter to college as well. Okay. So how has it been oh, now? When did you fly into the States? Uh, we just got in last, last week. Okay. Yeah, got in last week. And how long are you planning on staying for this trip? Um, we'll be in the States until around January, February of next year. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So about nine months. Now, how long do missionaries typically come back to the States and visit for when they do? Every, what'd you say you said about every four or five years? Well, it's, it's changed. I think it's t- uh, the times have changed a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, it used to be missionaries would stay on the field for about four years and come back for about a year. Okay. Uh, however, now with uh, a little bit more facility and travel and communications, um, I think most missionaries try to come back a little bit more often, but stay less time. Okay. Personally, I don't, I don't like to be in the States for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, well, humanly speaking, it's not something I, I'd much rather be in Brazil and the ministry there. Um, but also, you know, it's never the ideal for the ministry, for the mission, for to the be pastor away. to yeah, be gone. Right. For, now, <clears throat> let me uh, start going back, you know, 30, 40 years, uh, because a lot of people uh, probably don't know, but you were born in Brazil. Is that correct? That is correct. My, oh. my parents, and, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to, your perfect segue, I was going to ask about your folks. Yeah, so my parents my parents went to Brazil in 1974 wow. as missionaries. And uh, m- my oldest brother, Alan, was, I believe, uh, six weeks old when they went to Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then uh, all, all the other four of us were born in Brazil. So mm-hmm. my parents had five, five children and four of us were born in Brazil. I was born in 79 after my parents had been there for five years. Wow. So only your oldest brother was born in the States. Correct. Okay. And then, um, so you grew up on the mission field. Mm-hmm. 
how often did you folks come back when you were um, uh, a kid uh, with your folks? So I was born in 79. We came back when I was, uh, I, uh, when I was in kindergarten mm -hmm. uh, for a year. And then we came back when I was in fifth grade for a year. And then we came back when I was a sophomore in high school for a year. Okay. And then I came back in 98 for Bible college. What was it like growing up in Brazil and then coming back to the United States for a year? Um, I think it depends on what part of life I was in. When mm -hmm. I was uh, in kindergarten, mm -hmm. I, I... Not too big of a transition. I definitely remember that experience because... <laughs> um, I remember all the toys and all the things that we didn't have in Brazil that was here. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> so I was looking forward to when we came back when I was in fifth grade. Uh -huh. um, and I do remember that we stayed at the same same apartments we had stayed the first time. So I knew the area. I remember I had made a friend uh, in a neighborhood and uh, the, one of the first things I did was went to this friend's house, but uh -huh. he wasn't there anymore. He had oh, moved. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I still enjoyed it very much when I was in fifth grade. Um, it was a different experience than the first time. But when I came back my sophomore year, then, of course, my focus was different. Uh, it was a little bit, uh, I still enjoyed it, but it was not, you know, I didn't consider it home mm -hmm. or as fun as I had the other times. Sure. And uh, there was just, you know, the relationship, the difference in uh just different cultures, I guess, colliding yeah. together. I went to high school for a year, and I did well. I adapted well. I had friends in high school, but still, it was just a whole lot different. The The way people relate to each other in Brazil is so different than, than in the States. Ten, people tend to be a lot more cold here, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, very sarcastic, very... Uh, <laughs> and in Brazil, it's, like, totally different. We uh, they Very warm people, very friendly people. Uh -huh. We're not so focused on... Um, time and tasks were focused on they're more focused on relationships and just you know so it, it was very different but i still enjoyed it mm -hmm. i did never i can't say i had a bad experience but yeah. i did realize that humanly speaking brazil was was home to me yep by that time in your life you'd spent so long there you were born there raised there you knew the language and the culture so coming to america was it was weird. You were going to another place, and then afterward, you'd go back home. Right, exactly. Did your uh, brothers and sister have a pretty good experience with that as well? Um, well, I know that my sister, even though she's the one that stayed, she, she lives in, in the States. Mm -hmm. uh, I know for junior high, she had a bad experience, somewhat of a bad experience. Um, and uh, I, I think all of my brothers, they didn't have necessarily... A bad experience i think they had a different experience than me but it was mm -hmm. it was fine for them yeah uh, where's where my my between me and my middle uh, the, the closest brother to me uh after my sister is four years so i actually i don't i don't know too much about how their expense was since i was the youngest sure and then you came back um again uh with the plans to go to bible college mm -hmm. and where did you go so uh, we went to hiles anderson college it's a college in northwest indiana Okay. And you went there and you were there for four years? Correct. And you graduated. And during that time, you met your wife? Yes. Uh, so when I was when I was 12, I was saved. And when I was 13, I was called to the ministry. So I always knew that, uh, you know, that after graduating from high school, the next step would be to go to Bible college. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Bible college I went to was in the area that we used to 
based out of for furlough when my parents came back to the states. So I knew that I knew the church, I knew the college, I knew the people there. Um, so when we came back to go to Bible college, that's where I went. But I still was not sure what God had for my life. I knew He wanted me to ministry, but not exactly where, doing what. So you weren't sure about being a missionary when you first went to Bible college. No, I. Um, Humanly speaking, I wanted to go back to Brazil, but I wanted to make sure that was God's will for my life. So let me ask you this, because for me, pragmatically speaking, what I'm thinking is this guy was born and raised in Brazil. He speaks the language fluently. He knows the culture. He knows more about Brazil than I could ever know going down there. Why wouldn't he be a missionary in Brazil? Right. So I would be I don't know, devastated if God called you to some Eastern European country where you have to <laughs> learn a new language. You know, for me, I would think, boy, what, you know, what a waste. But for you, you wanted to do God's will and you weren't sure what that is, even though it kind of makes sense to go back down to Brazil. You wanted to make sure you were in the will of God. Absolutely. And sometimes God, you know, God directs us and allows us to do that, which we want to do. Mm hmm. But some, not always God's will is like that. Sometimes God directs us to do something that we think we don't want to do. So I wanted to make sure really that's what the Lord had for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he definitely made it clear for me uh, while in Bible college that he wanted me to go back to Brazil. But mm -hmm. obviously to me, it was I was just going back home. I was sure, it wasn't a scary prospect. No. You know, I think of uh, uh, Saul, uh, who later became Paul, who you preached about last night at our church. And that guy was Jewish. Mm -hmm. He was raised a Pharisee. Mm -hmm. He knew the Jewish customs and mannerisms. He was already respected in the Jewish community as a leader in the church mm -hmm. or in the synagogues and in the temple. And yet God called him to the Gentiles. That's right. <laughs> and he wanted to get, to bring the gospel to the Jews. And the Lord said, nope, that's yep. not what I got for you. So just like you were saying, even though it might make sense to us, you know, God has a plan. Mm -hmm. And boy, aren't, I, aren't we glad that Paul was obedient when the Lord called him that way. Amen. And we can even see his heart because the first thing he would go, the first thing he would go when he got <laughs> to, to the, the city the every time. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um, now let me ask you this. When uh, in those four years did you meet your wife and uh, think to yourself, she might be the one? Was that early in college or later on? So I went in 98. My wife went to college, I believe it was in 2000. Uh -huh. um, I was a junior. Um, I had just, I was, I was in deaf ministry my first two years, I believe it was. Mm. And then I was transitioning to the bus ministry, which is where she was at. And uh, the college had what, what we called divisions. So each uh, each division was in charge of a certain neighborhood uh, that they went and picked up people for church. And uh, she was in Division 10. And even though I was in the deaf ministry, I enjoyed riding the what they called the night bus after Sunday night church. Mm -hmm. We would take the uh, they would take the teenagers and the adults back home from church. And uh, and then um, come back to the to the Bible college and uh, I used to ride the night bus in the bus ministry even though I was in deaf ministry and it was in her division so already I was already familiar with the people in the division so I went to the bus ministry I ended up going to that division and she was there so mm -hmm. we'd see each other um, during the meetings and and so forth but uh, one of the things that attracted me to her was 
Um, well, she reminded me of Brazil. She was Brazilian okay. looking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I always tease people. She, she's, she's the American, but she's the one that looks Brazilian and I'm the Amer Brazilian and I'm the one that looks American. Sure. But, um, uh, she very, she's a very outgoing, very, uh, friendly, loving, uh, person, very good with kids, love the Lord and the ministry mm -hmm. and all those things attracted me to her. So sure. that was my junior year. She was in her freshman year when we, when we made, met each other and, uh, started, started dating. Did you know that you wanted to be a missionary by that point? Yes. By that point, I knew God was going to, uh, God wanted me to go back to Brazil. In fact, I was a very, I'm still pretty direct sometimes, um, but uh, uh, I was kind of blunt back then. Mm -hmm. And our very first date, I said, look, God's called me to Brazil. If you had no interest of going to Brazil, then uh, this will be our last date. <laughs> wow. Okay. And that didn't? Scare her off. I, well, it might have. She she, <laughs> she had just been saved. She was saved when she was 15 and she went to Bible college when she was 17. So. Wow. Okay. Christianity was still kind of new to her. She's like, what's a missionary? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. It's easy. I just need you to give up your whole life and move to another country. Oh, wow. So let me ask you this. In Bible college, is there, I would imagine that there are probably several girls there that wouldn't want to date a missionary because they know that what's going to come with that is moving to a foreign country and oh, being absolutely. further away from home, further away from family. So it would almost take, you know, a, I don't know if I want to use the term, but a special kind of girl that would be okay with that. Mm -hmm. So would, would, is it harder for a mission? Is it harder for a fella who knows God is calling him to the mission field to get a date that's my question um i i suppose it might be i didn't have difficulties <laughs> but like i said i was pretty direct i knew what sure. i wanted yeah and i went i after i went after it so okay um and i did have i did try i really i had i had dated uh for eight months two mm -hmm. other girls okay but other than those two other girls i i think i asked out maybe two or three other girls they all went out Mm -hmm. um, once with me and either I realized that that's not the right person or that person realized that sure. I was the right person. So I don't think I had difficulties, but, um, um maybe I, it, there, we had a, we had an advantage there. Mm -hmm. It was three girls to every guy. So, Oh, no kidding. There were a lot of good girls there. Okay. So the guys have, uh, the benefit there yeah. as far as, uh, there's a limited supply. So yeah. when a guy asks you out on a date, you say yes, because, there's only so many of them. I suppose so. Okay, that's that's good to know. I'll, I'll I'll be sure. You know what? They should put that in the brochure because let me tell you, that would get a lot more guys surrendered to the well, ministry. That's one of the reasons I went to college. I wanted to prepare to go back to Brazil is to find a good wife. Oh my soul. Okay, so um, was her family pretty supportive of her uh, marrying a missionary? Did, did that come up at all? Well. Um, they got saved after her. Um, they were also new Christians, and I don't. I think they're kind of clueless. She mm -hmm. she went to Bible college about fifteen hours away from her home. Wow, hometown. So um, the first time I met them, um, you know, that there was a lot of a lot explaining I had to do to them. They they're kind of they didn't understand the whole concept either. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was difficult for them, but they were excited that she was she was serving the Lord and doing what God god had for even though they were new new converts mm -hmm. okay and i i think um since they they were they were mexicans and 
they lived in Mexico, but then they waited to get their visa, their their paperwork, and they moved to the states. And having the two different cultures in them, um, I think they they appreciated that aspect of it as well. So maybe in that sense, they, it was hard for them because they wanted her close by, obviously. But obviously, yeah. But um, at the same time, they were very excited for her. Okay. So then you guys got married after you graduated, and Correct. then she had another year left. Is right. that was that right? So I I squeezed four years into five. I okay. graduated in two thousand three. <laughs> We got married, and uh, she got she graduated in two thousand four. Okay, so she was she was a uh, like I said she was a freshman when we started dating. Okay, I was already junior. Yeah, and then uh, she finished up her last year. Mm -hmm. What did you do in that time? Did you just work? Right, we I I worked. Uh -huh. and she went to school, and she also worked as well. Okay, and then after that, you guys hit the road on deputation. Then, uh, she, so she graduated in 2005, I mean, 2004, we waited a year. Um, um, we stayed, both stayed working mm -hmm. and then we started a deputation in 2005. Okay. Do you think that's a good idea for, um, a missionary couple to get a year of work under their belt, be able to save up a little money? Um, I think every case is, uh, you know, every per person's individual situation, mm -hmm. but, um, for us, it was, it was important. Mm -hmm. It was needed. Um, it was not so much for our time together with each other. It was more financial reasons. Sure. Um, so, but, um, we weren't ready financially to start deputation as soon as she graduated. Okay. And then how long were you on deputation? So we were in deputation for three years we started in 2005 and went to the field in 2008. Okay. April of 2008, we arrived in Brazil. And when you went down to Brazil, now let me ask you, you were... A Brazilian citizen from Correct. birth. Correct. So it was no issue for you. No. What were the laws as far as now that you're married and you had one kid or you had both by the time you went down there? We had, Abigail was six months old when we went to Brazil. Okay. So is that pretty easy? Like they're like, yeah, come on in. You're a Brazilian citizen and your wife automatically um, is a Brazilian citizen as well, or was there paperwork involved? What, some missionaries have a very difficult time. Right. It's very different based on the countries. Correct. I'm wondering what it was like in Brazil. Right. Well, for my case, obviously it was a lot easier because I was Brazilian. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a different process than most missionaries going to Brazil. However, we went in, um, she, I, I, I can't remember if she went in, I think she went under a tourist visa and I went in her with my Brazilian citizenship but as soon as we got there, then we uh, registered our, our daughter mm -hmm. as a Brazilian because as a daughter of a Brazilian citizen, she could become Brazilian okay. off the spot. And then once we had her registered, through her, we could register or apply for my wife to become a, a permanent resident. Okay. To get some, well, similar, something similar to green card. Sure. So then she had, there was a waiting process, but uh, after after a year or two, she was able to get that. Now, do you have dual citizenship? Yes, I'm American because my parents are Americans, and I'm Brazilian because I was born in Brazil. Wow, okay. That makes it real easy for traveling. Correct. I have a Brazilian passport and American passport. <laughs> okay, good. So you guys moved down to Brazil. Did you start working with another church that was already established, or did you go to start a church right out of the gate? So... My wife spoke Spanish, but she did not know Portuguese, and they speak Portuguese in Brazil. Mm -hmm. 
So I felt like she needed to get uh, grounded in the language. And I also knew, even though I grew up in Brazil, I had no ministry experience as an adult. Okay. And even the day-to-day, you know, living as an adult in Brazil, I did not have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like, even though I could could have perhaps started my own church in the first term, I felt like I wanted to uh, get grounded. I didn't even know really what the Lord had for me specifically in Brazil because my dad had always worked as a second man. Mm-hmm. He, uh, When he first went to Brazil in 74, back then, the only kind of missionaries were pioneer missionaries. They went to start wow. churches. Yeah. So he went He went to language school and then he went to start a church. Mm-hmm. And within six months, he realized these are not the gifts that God has given me. Okay. So he went and worked with another, another missionary there in Brazil, Brother Jimmy Rose, and helped get that church well-established, helped start a Bible Institute in that church. Mm-hmm. And he was there for 10 years. And that church became the largest church uh, of our group there um, that Bible Institute trained over 100 uh, st- students for the ministry. And then he went and worked with another missionary for 17 years, also helped that church become well-established, helped start Bible Institute there. Mm-hmm. And then he went and worked with a national pastor uh, for 10 years. So I had seen how that team, you know, somebody working as a missionary, working with another missionary or national pastor, how much more they could accomplish, how mm-hmm. more effective they could be. And I, I had no problems with that being a second man. Sure. I just wanted to reach my potential for Christ in Brazil. So I didn't really know what God had for me when I went to Brazil. So, so, was, I, so just to ask, so you weren't sure if God was going to have you pastor a church when you went down there? Correct. Okay. And your experience was with your dad, he only was involved with churches as a pastor for a short time and then he realized that that wasn't really what he felt god wanted for him and then he went down there what or he stayed down there to help another right pastor. well i i in Is brazil we use the term pastor more as a um uh, all missionaries are pastors in my sure. in my view mm-hmm. so uh we work with three missionaries in our church right now and they're all pastors mm-hmm. but um he was never the the main pastor, but even so, uh, you can be a missionary, a church planting missionary, and mm-hmm. be a pastor at the same time with the goal of not staying there necessarily long term. Sure. So, but yes, he he went, and usually the idea was that he, you're a church planting missionary. You don't go to to uh, to pastor a church that's already started. You go to start a church, and mm-hmm. you don't work with somebody that's or another pastor that's already there, another missionary. That was the the idea back then, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea of working. Like Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas was for some reason was it very common? <laughs> <laughs> Why would it be? It's, and, it's, and, uh, it's explained. Pastors, yeah, pastors even looked down on that for, for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> don't do it like the Book of Acts says. We have this other idea. <laughs> so um, he realized that he was not a the the lead the lead man or the church planter. He needed mm-hmm. to be underneath somebody working together with somebody yeah his gift is um is teaching but uh, really his heart is in uh today his heart is in the bible institute but also in counseling mm-hmm. and the lord has really used that and and so now looking back 40 you know he's been in brazil for almost 40 40 i don't remember 74 to now um but Looking back, I've seen how much more God has done through his life because he was willing to yeah. step back and take, be a, you know, a second man. Let me tell you, every head pastor of every church in the world wishes 
they had a man that was dedicated to the ministry who wanted to be a help and fill in, you know, all the needs, all of us absolutely hope and pray for a dozen of those people because ministries and churches will not move forward without them. Mm -hmm. We need uh, uh, the head pastor on his own can accomplish very little Mm -hmm. without the support Mm -hmm. of people who are dedicated and committed to the mission. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when you went down there, uh, you, uh, started working with, who was it? With uh, my brother, Brian, Brian Johnson. Okay. And, uh, where in Brazil was that? So that was in Sao Paulo. So mm-hmm. I knew my wife needed to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And I also, my first term, I wanted to get some experience and also seek God's direction mm-hmm. uh, while obviously still serving him there. Um, so we went for two years to Sao Paulo. They have a language school there. Um, the church my brother had just planted was brand new church. He started in September of 2000 and, um, 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were, I was actually there for the inauguration. And then we went in April of 2008. So it was a brand new church. We were there for uh, two years. Um, he we came to the States for furlough for a year and we oversaw that work for a year. And then uh, once my wife had graduated, my, my brother came back. Then we went to work with a national pastor six hours west, southwest. Your brother must have missed you. Yes. <laughs> that must have been hard mm-hmm. to see you and your family go. Yeah. And uh, so we went to this other ministry still not knowing exactly what the Lord had for us. We went to Brazil uh, a little bit undersupported. I did not have any ministry funds. We had, you know, funds to help with the family needs, but um, I was a little bit, um, didn't really see how I could start a church with the funds that we had. Mm-hmm. So my, my thinking was, well, if God does call me to start a church, maybe I'll start a church through another church um, with their help, with their support, financial support at the beginning. Um, but we went out, but still, I didn't know if that's what God had for us. I still was willing to be a second man, and if that's what the Lord had for us, or work in a team as a second man, starting a church. But once we were in Londrina, we were working at the national pastor, and uh, then the Lord really sh- started showing me that he wanted me to start a church. But still, I was thinking about maybe starting a church through a mother church, and this this past national pastor, uh, he graciously uh, agreed with us about starting a church on the other side of town and them helping us, but still giving us liberty mm-hmm. in the church plant. Um, but then we had a conference in the church and my our missions pastor came down to Brazil and I talked to him about our plans and how the Lord was leading us, even showed him property we we're considering buying. And uh, he said, well, uh, what if we were able to get a couple of families to work with you from our from the church mm-hmm. and work in a team uh, rather than by yourself? And uh, I said, well, that sounds great. But, you know, this was in 2012. And my goal was to, we had just started a congregation in a neighbor city. Um, and we were working together with the, the main the pastor in the main church and one of the, one of the Bible Institute students in this other city. The, we had just started the Bible Institute as well. So we wanted to, make sure there was a graduate from the Bible Institute to stay with the congregation that was being started. So our goal was 2015. We were in 2012, but we were still looking three years ahead. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I think in three years we can put together a couple of families to work together with you. So then in talking, you know, reevaluating what the Lord had for us, we felt like 
the church there in Londrina already had a Bible Institute. If we were going to be working in two or three families, really our goal would be to start not just a church, but start a Bible Institute training center and a strong ministry. So we felt like it'd be better if we went a little bit further away. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when God started directing us to where we're at now in Tabate. Um, so then we we uh, came back on, to the States on furlough. And then in 2015, when we went back, we went to Tabate to start the church there. And you had a couple of families, native families to Brazil that went with you to start the church. Right. So two more families from our sitting church uh, mm -hmm. came to work with us, my parents and then the Dave Whitmore family. How far was it from your sending church to where you guys started your church? You know, driving. Oh, you mean the church I was working at in Londrina? Yeah. Yeah. So Sao Paulo, uh, from Sao Paulo, Londrina was six hours uh, southwest Londrina from Sao Paulo. Uh, Tabate is an hour and a half, two and a, two and a half hours northeast of Sao Paulo. So from Londrina to Tabate is about seven, seven hours. So, so the families that went with you, they sold their house and moved. It wasn't a commute to a different side of town. Right. Well, Dave Whitmore at the time, um, he was, he was two out, five hours north, but none of most, my parents had a, had a house, but mm -hmm. Dave, and even to this day, we rent, we don't okay. have a house there. So, um, but yes, there was a, it was a, it was a move. My parents sold their house and moved up there with us. And then Dave Whitmore also moved five hours away. Yeah. That's a big commitment. And mm -hmm. it's also must have been very encouraging to have a couple of families to help you rather than starting it from scratch. Oh, absolutely. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, you know, I tell missionaries that are going that are going to the field, if you can work on a team, that's great. But at the same time, I wasn't about to wait for a team to be sure. together. You know, sometimes that's not the reality. Yeah. And, you know, it's not ideal to work by yourself. No, whether it's in the states or in, on the foreign field, but yeah. sometimes that's the reality. Yeah, especially if you're going to an area that doesn't have anything. And I'm sure you and I have read the same biographies of different missionaries who have gone to countries where nobody was there, and mm -hmm. it's like, well, someone has to be the first fella to you know step off the boat and and start a work. So Absolutely. sometimes that's the case. But at the same time, um, I remember when. Now, I think I was at the first Bible conference in uh, at First Baptist Church, the first pastor school in the new auditorium. Mm -hmm. Was that when they started their missionary teams? I thought they introduced them That's that year. That's around the time, yes, I okay. think so. And honestly, when I heard that idea... I was thinking to myself, why didn't anyone think of this before? I mean, this makes a lot more sense to have some support rather than just, you know, one family going off and starting it mm -hmm. by themselves. So I think it's great whenever that can happen. And um, I imagine it was very encouraging to have, you know, some other families that were all on the same page. Yes. And it takes a special person type person to be able to work underneath another person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, some people are that's that's who they are they're, they're willing they're they it's not one's more important than the other just yeah. like the husband and the wife it's not mm -hmm. one is more important than the other it's just yeah. the roles that different God, roles yeah so if you if you have a calling for the ministry maybe god doesn't want you to be the lead person maybe god wants you to be a second man and that's just as important Absolutely. just as needed and uh i'm very thankful for an example through my parents but also having them work with us and with dave and having this opportunity 
I mean, really, the Lord is really doing amazing things there, uh, and it's only because we have a team. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be able to work with uh, other families in a team. Yeah. So you have been now at that church that you started there for how many years? We've been there seven years. Seven years. Mm -hmm. And you've already moved two different times? Correct. To so, get into uh, buildings that could fit mm -hmm. the number of people you have. Right. And currently, you guys are hoping to um, make a move, buy a property, and build a facility because you've been renting the right. whole time. Correct. And is that pretty common down there, or does it depend on the church? The uh, to to buy to rent as opposed to buy. I see. Um, I would say that. 20, 30, 40 years ago, it was a lot easier to buy and build. Mm -hmm. Prices were a lot more accessible. Yeah. And the dollar went a lot further. Um, but uh, starting out, it's very common to rent. Mm -hmm. um, I would say nowadays, though, that churches that are starting out are having a hard time in, in being able to buy and build. So, yes, it is common, but the churches that are more established, been there longer most of them have their own property and building. Mm -hmm. That's within our movement. Um, ironically, or I don't, I don't quite understand why they do this. Uh, maybe because they are in it for the money, and they often relocate quite often. Mm -hmm. But the Pentecostal churches and the Neo Pentecostal churches mainly they rent. Really? Of course, the headquarters oftentimes have their own buildings, but they rent, and uh, oftentimes don't have their own property, even though they're big and have money props to yeah to do something no kidding okay so tell us what is what's different about going to brazil i've never been to the country i've been to several countries on several continents i've never been to brazil what would i expect going down there as an american that i'm not going to be used to uh well obviously the language is a big is a big uh big thing mm -hmm. um you're going somewhere where you don't understand anything. There's a communication barrier there. If you understand Spanish, you can communicate somewhat, but still, it's not. It's, it's not, not Spanish. the same. It's not the same thing. <laughs> um, I I always kind of I always think somebody who's a little bit scared of a lot of change, a lot of differences, um, and wants to go on a mission trip. I think Brazil's, especially where we're at, is a great place to go because even though it is a third world country, there are a lot of similarities to the states. Mm -hmm. um, if you're like where we're at it's fairly relatively safe the people are extremely friendly mm -hmm. very loving people very gracious people they like foreigners um they're very communicative and uh the food is just wonderful they use you know it is very different but um rice and beans is their staple food and then meat and salad but uh they use a lot of onion and garlic uh so the great i think the food is there is, is a great experience. It's not it's not that exotic. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not gonna find that many th things you're not gonna like. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we're where we're at, we're an hour and a half away from the uh, main airport into Brazil. So it's not a and you drive along a main highway three three lane highway. So you don't feel like you're in the middle of the right. jungle they have in Walmart the Amazon and, <laughs> and McDonald's and Pizza Hut. That's, that's what you should have started with. Yeah. <laughs> that that'll get people comfortable and heading down there. 
But the people are very different. It is in a, you know, it is an eye-opener. Obviously, there's places you can go to. You'll see the poverty and the need. Mm-hmm. And um, But the people are very, very loving. And when we go out soul winning um, or visiting, our difficulty is not talking to people. It's, you know, uh, I I can go into a visit. I, usually when I schedule a visit, I can only, like, I, 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 every Tuesday night, I go visiting from seven to whatever time, mm-hmm. but I can only schedule one visit because they're talking your ear off. I mean, they, they, if you go to their house, they expect you to be there for a couple hours at least. Wow! Okay. And they'll make you coffee and yep, they'll feed you something. Yep. Um, but that that's you, you can't for those kind of visits. You can't be the American mentality. Oh, knock on the door, five minutes, talk and leave. You yeah, can't, you can't have that mentality. Okay. And even with new people, you know, people you don't know, maybe they visit a church. I I like to try to visit people we have some type we're starting a relationship with them somehow we they already have they know us or we know them somehow uh-huh and uh but they're very receptive for the most part okay very very easy to get in, get into their houses that's great and are most people in brazil open to spiritual things they're open to the idea of god that's not strange to them uh, yes for the most part and there's two sides to that. There's the positive side and the negative side. <laughs> so Brazil is a very syncretist country. Mm-hmm. Um, and, for, since, and, and for our listeners that don't know what that word means, you can... Right, I'll explain. <laughs> so ever since its foundation, um, they've... They, 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 so syncretism, you, you, you mix things up. You mix things... For example, when the pioneers, uh, the exploradores went there, um, they often married with the black slaves mm-hmm. and uh, um, the Catholics went there and they, instead of saying, no, you're either Catholic or you're a spiritist or whatever, they mixed the, the, the belief systems and the, and the, and the cultural aspects, they mixed it. So yep. there's not there. You don't see a lot of segregation there as you, as you do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. They have in Brazil, they have the largest population of Japanese immigrants outside of Japan. Really? However, Japanese, when they go to Brazil, they don't remain Japanese. They're Brazilians. You see their eyes, they look Japanese, uh-huh. but they speak Portuguese, they eat Portuguese, Amer- Brazilian food. Yeah. So, so, but that in the religion, it's the same way. So to them, one of their favorite sayings is, um, God is the God, it's only one God. And what they're saying is, it doesn't matter what you believe, God is accepting of all beliefs. But, mm-hmm. um, and so they, they, they think as long as you're talking about God, it's a good thing. Yep. Uh, so very ecumenical. Yeah, very ecumenical. They they don't so a church that tries to really stick to the truth of the word mm-hmm. um jesus that is goes the way against the truth the and the life yeah. yeah for you to say this is right and this is wrong well who are you to say that you know <laughs> yep uh we don't judge people so <laughs> they're very open to talking they love to talk about religion mm-hmm. they're open they're not uh um you know they're very receptive but it doesn't mean they that they take to heart what you're telling them yeah so easily sometimes you have you, there's a lot of prodding to do and um sometimes they'll 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 say what you want to say mm-hmm. they'll act like they believe what you're saying but that's not necessarily the case because they want to say face and they don't like to offend people yeah i uh i was talking with another missionary and he said that it was very important not only to preach jesus but also make it clear that when you receive the lord jesus you reject all of these other beliefs because they would kind of just add Jesus and the gospel onto the pile of the other things that they had heard that they're fine with. 
And it was like, no, 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 this is, this is very different. Uh, Jesus is the only way. And as a matter of fact, you cannot be associated with all of these other beliefs. Mm-hmm. The, these are bad right. and we have to reject them. Mm-hmm. And really that's, that's the same dividing line here in America. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are fine with talking about God and church and these ideas aren't bad until you get to the exclusivity of the gospel where Jesus is the only way that's the line where they're like, yeah, we're, I don't like that. Right. You yeah. know, it's offensive. It is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, let's see, you guys have a Bible Institute down mm-hmm. there now mm-hmm. and tell us what that's like. What's the goal there? So, uh, in our third year, we started a Bible Institute. That was always our goal when we went there to start a, a training center because I realized that I can only do so much. And really, even though I'm Brazilian, um, the true Brazilians, the true natives really can do a whole lot more than I can. Mm-hmm. And they're the, uh, they're the key. Uh, and so many times, even in a state, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, as leaders, even, whether it's in a company um, or as a father of a family, um, we're... we're, we're we want to either control everything or we want to do everything. And we're so focused on things happening the way we want them to happen mm-hmm. that we forget that really we need to train others. And that's what it's all about. And uh, so my focus has been as a church planter to work myself out of job or to train others mm-hmm. and allow them to do what um, I'm doing. So one of the, you have to have a, a, a way of getting there and the way we had chosen to do that was through a bible institute so really a bible institute is a third phase of our discipleship program we uh, have the first phase it's eight lessons on uh, it's kind of like a new members class Mm -hmm. and then the second phase is a one-on-one 15 16 week one-on-one discipleship program and then of course they can do these simultaneously but then you know the bible institute is where we train our leaders and we really get them grounded in the word of god but it takes a commitment so we meet Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And every evening, uh, we have two, two classes that we offer, one from eight, 7 to 8.30, and the other one from 8.45 to 10.15. And a six, it's uh, 20 weeks long. So start in February and go till June, and then in August and go all the way to December. And uh, it's a three-year program right now. And so we always encourage our members or anybody uh, to take at least one class, whether it's for audit or for credit, they don't have to necessarily do all eight classes we offer every semester, but uh, we encourage everybody to go just to learn. Mm-hmm. But our institute focuses on three three aspects. We focused on, on the Christian life, growth. You know, we don't want to just have a whole bunch of theologians come out of our college. We want good Christian people. So uh, we also focus on theology, obviously, books of the Bible and uh, doctrines. But we also focus on the practical aspect of the ministry. So every semester we have classes that that touch on all three of those those subjects. And uh, we uh, started out, our first semester was our highest enrollment until this last semester. We had 24 students enrolled in our first semester. But usually what happens, especially in a situation like ours, where all of our students are from our church pool, um, we, you know, you graduate your first class, well, usually it the classes after that are smaller and smaller unless you're really growing a lot. And uh, so I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised. Um, the Lord's really been doing, especially in the last year, two years, the Lord's really bringing some great families to our church. 
and calling people to the ministry. So this this semester we have our largest enrollment again, which is 24 students. Most of those are married students, but we also have uh, several single men and women in our Bible Institute. Wow. Okay. And uh, the goal is to, at some point, find someone who feels called of God to start a work and then support them in starting another church. Right. So we uh, we have two men that are already working in our church. One of the things I wanted to do from the get-go, because all three of the missionaries uh, were supported through uh, American dollars, mm-hmm. I wanted the church to, as soon as possible, be already used to paying a salary of a person. So we, as soon as we could, we, we the first year we started by Institute, the Lord brought a man. Uh, miraculously, his story is just uh, wonderful, but he gave up his job uh, to be able to go to the Bible Institute. And uh, we, at the time, could only pay him part-time salary, but we hired him as secretary. And as the church grew, now he's paid full-time. Mm-hmm. He's still a secretary, but really we're training him to become the pastor of the church. And then uh, there's another man, just this last year, we were able to hire, and he's on part-time. And uh, he'll be graduating together with this the secretary. He'll be graduating within the next year. And uh, uh, probably through him, Lord willing, we'll start a church in a neighboring city uh, in the next year or two. So, yes, the idea is to train, not just help people learn and grow, but also to train uh, future workers whether it's for our church or to help start other churches or be missionaries, whatever. But uh, if the church is close enough, I probably would will be involved somewhat sure. personally as well. So Yeah, and I'm sure that would be a relief and a help to whoever is new and starting it, you know, especially if they did not grow up in church, if they came to your church, got saved there, baptized there, and they're a little bit newer to Christianity and church, it would probably be a breath of fresh air to not be too far away and have some help right you know with starting that the uh what i see it still blows me away what i see in the in the book of acts when paul would go to a new town he would get a handful of folks saved he would stay there for sometimes several years train some folks and then he would leave a small team and be off on the road you know Mm -hmm. and he's like yep i'll circle back at some point Mm -hmm. you know it's really neat and encouraging to see but the Bible, you almost wish there was like a spinoff series, like as far as a television show, where it just focused on that new church and you could get, you know, the history of what went on there. Yeah. Um, because I, you have so many questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm always asking questions. There's all these so. details and all this work that goes in, into it that, you know, we, they just skip over and we don't get to hear about it, uh, which is too bad. So, okay. Um so let me ask, um, you said uh, you would like to be able to support the salary of the young man that's going to go off and start another church it, to be able to support them if you could. Correct. What does that look like? What is it? What are we talking about? What's a salary for someone living in Brazil in the right. area that you're in? What do they need to survive? So um, our average household, uh, the average family in our church their household income is about $850. Now, um, $850 a week. A month, a month. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, now, and I, is that average income for the area? That's 
pretty reasonable. That would be low, low middle income, okay. low middle class income. Okay. That's it's changing because inflation has gone. Even in Brazil, it's gone skyrocket. Really. And I don't really know. I mean, it's it's pretty. Uh, that would be almost like lower class now, mm-hmm. almost. Um, but yeah, we we right now have the the secretary that we're paying full time. Uh, ever since we took come on, we told them, look, we don't have the funds to pay what we'd like to, but we'll keep growing as the church keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we have a certain goal. Yeah. Um, right now, we pay him, uh, that's what we pay him, $800 a month, but that's not nearly enough. That's not what we would like to stop at. Um, and really, at, at this point, I don't know how you can f- support your family well mm-hmm. uh, without the wife working yeah. And uh and when you do that, that, it gets in the way of yeah. ministry so much. Yeah. You know. Uh, and and there's a lot thin. of expenses that pastors have that people don't realize. Sure. And uh but so anyways, that's what we pay him now and then this the the man that we're thinking about sending to start a church, he's only part-time still and we'd like to take him on eventually full-time. Right now he's getting um, you know, $400 a month. Mm-hmm. So that's what it would look like. Um to really pay somebody like I'd like to, you know, be closer to thousand or thousand two hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but their Brazilians are very, they're very, um, they definitely do lot with a lot less than Americans. They're willing to do without mm-hmm. more so than Americans. I mean, if you see the type of places that some of the families in our church live, you know, you'd be astonished. Yeah, they don't eat out. Mm-hmm. They're very, they can be very uh, economical with their finances. Mm-hmm. Mainly, obviously, off, 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 out of need, necessity. Sure, but uh, they're 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 content for the most part with the Lord is what the Lord has given them. Yeah, that's uh, we were talking about that over breakfast, and I'm convinced that the biggest detriment to America is our wealth, as far as getting in the way of God. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything that is a bigger problem and a mm-hmm. bigger hindrance. And what I tell our folks all the time is God has blessed America with wealth for a reason, and that is to support Christianity around the world Mm -hmm. where there is no wealth. Mm -hmm. And if we just spend our wealth on a fourth vehicle and more golf, we're going to have to stand before the Lord one day at the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to have a lot to answer to Mm -hmm. because a lot of people here are not maybe necessarily willing to go to a Bible Institute three, four nights a week to Mm -hmm. learn the Bible, to go on and do more in the way of ministry with their life. Uh, But do you make way more money than you need? Okay. Well, you know, we need to do that. I think God has blessed America financially so that we can finance the gospel going around the Mm -hmm. world. But I don't really see that preached very much. And I don't see that, you know, Mm -hmm being lived out yeah i agree i agree man finances can be a good thing but it can be a bad thing too it really can i'll tell you what as a fella who is self-employed i know how god can get my attention when he needs it and all he has to do is dry up work for a week and boy i start praying a lot more Mm -hmm. you know and god can use that easily to get our attention so uh when we when we don't have an excess of money, we are going to rely on the Lord and rely on his provision more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the way it seems to go with humanity. Mm-hmm. So in places where there's not extreme excess. Yeah. And I, they, you know, these men and their families, they, 
they really keep me on my toes because mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have health insurance. Yeah. They don't have a security <laughs> blanket. Yep. And they don't have a, a retirement plan right. for. Yep. And I've seen how much they've sacrificed. And yeah. Like I said, when I f- first took them on, like the 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 guy who's full time now, we we started out twelve hours a week. We were paying. Uh, you know, just what we could at the time. And he, he gave up his job because he knew it's what the Lord had for him. Wow. Of course, he was selling, he was he he was supplementing his income other ways, but um, he made a lot of sacrifices. And even to this day, now his wife just had to start to go back, go back to work to help because really cost has gone up a lot. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we can't, with paying the rent that we're paying, we can't really raise his salary like we'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the Lord has taken care of them as well, and yeah. they're 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 happy and they're joyous and they've never been more content uh, in the Lord than than ever before. But really, obviously, if we get to the place um, where we can support them full time, sure, that, that, you'd like to that that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. So when he go, that is one of the things that's holding holding me back. I don't know how you know, starting a new church to send this other other guy. Um, I guess you know. Yeah, I he needs more than what he's getting. Yeah, and um, so really, our focus right now is to try to get out of rent. But I'm not necessarily going to wait for us to get out of rent to start another church either. So oh yeah, we're uh, we're just trusting the Lord. The Lord is we've stretched our faith every step of the way, and the he's Lord has supplied. So been good so far. I'm sure, he's going to keep doing. He's it. not going to stop being good tomorrow. Amen. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Well, that's really exciting. I mean, uh, the the path you're on now is really where you're going to be able to see the Lord do exponential growth mm-hmm. as all of a sudden, you know, one church becomes two. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think of what where you could be in the next seven years. Amen. You yes, know, sir. it's really exciting. And let me ask you this. How often do you and your brothers down there get to get together and see each other? So I have a brother that is five hours northwest of us, mm-hmm. um, and a brother that's in Sao Paulo, so he's three hours southwest of us, two hours, two and a half hours. Um, but we see each other at least twice, three times a year. We see mm-hmm. each other at Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then our mission, uh, uh, we're with the same mission board. We have a field conference every year. But uh, So wait, so you guys celebrate Thanksgiving? We do. <laughs> Are you the only Brazilians that celebrate well, Thanksgiving? The missionaries celebrate Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> Brazilians don't celebrate, yeah, celebrate that's Thanksgiving. That's what I was thinking. No, we have we have every uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving we have a Thanksgiving service at our church. Okay. And the Brazilian appreciate they like appreciate it. that. Yeah. Sure. Because most there is a, the one thing about Brazilians, they love their holidays. Oh they okay. have a lot of holidays. Yeah, I've seen on TV they know how to celebrate and have a party yeah you know and they have a lot you know here you have what fourth of july you have christmas new year's uh, thanksgiving and you don't have that many uh, labor day yeah but uh, there literally every month there's one or two holidays no kidding national holidays reasons to get together most of those are catholic holidays or pagan holidays yeah so you know the a christian holiday uh, or at least founded on Christian principles, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, they, they appreciate it. Sure. So we've kind of brought that culture to our church. That's funny. 
I mean, I think it's great. You know, uh-huh. don't get me wrong. You know, we do uh, uh, something special where we have uh, we have a pie contest mm-hmm. and we make up little trophies and we all eat a piece of pie and vote on it. And, you know, I mean, it's fun and we enjoy it. And we and I always bring a message that kind of talks about God's provision and what he did when Thanksgiving was founded in this country. And it, it's 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 a neat, you know, idea. But it's just funny to me that you're doing it in brazil yeah, since it's yeah. a specifically american holiday so yeah, but you don't celebrate fourth of july down there do you well the missionaries do <laughs> so usually the missionary families would try to keep their american heritage sure especially for their kids yeah so the american holidays will celebrate together with the missionary families mm-hmm. that we can get together with yeah in the area um and then some of the brazilian holidays will celebrate some of them sure <laughs> yeah that's neat there's nothing wrong with that that way, when they come back to the States for a year, you know, there's a little bit of right. uh, connectivity, right. you know, uh, to America. Wow, that's great. Okay, well, we are about at the top of the hour. Um, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything that you'd like to tell everyone before we get off the air? Any final thoughts you want to close with? Um, well, I um, obviously, I... Brazil is home to me, but I do appreciate my heritage from the States. Even though the United States is going in the wrong direction, we still mm-hmm. have a lot of spiritual spiritual heritage, a lot of good things here. And missions has been supported, especially in my life. Obviously, my parents went to, to Brazil off of American dollars mm-hmm. and sacrificial American Christians. So, you know, uh, I agree with... Uh, I agree with what you said in the sense that God has blessed America, but I think that the moment we start, we stop focusing on missions, we mm-hmm. start stop using the wealth God has given us for, I'm talking about God's people. Yeah. We stop using the wealth that God's given us for uh, his ministry, for the, his kingdom and for missions, he'll start looking for another people to, to start blessing and to yeah. use them. But I do want to thank, you know, uh, uh, thank, thank the Americans for their, uh, for their investment in missions, but let's 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 go back to our roots and yeah. and remember the wealth that God's given us. Be thankful for what God's given us, and He didn't give it to us for our enjoyment. He gave mm-hmm. it for us to use for Him and for His honor and glory. Yeah, there's an eternal investment that pays way better than my 401k. Absolutely. You know, and one thing when we started in our church uh, supporting missionaries, I told everyone, I said, this is this is our goal. Because I believe English is not going to be the first language in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, when we it's get be Portuguese, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna <laughs> it's kidding. gonna be something. It might be uh, a Filipino language. Hebrew, it might be yeah. But uh, you know what? What I told folks is when I get to heaven, I have two or three people that I need to look up, and I need to go to them and I need to thank them because I know the guy that gave me my first Bible. Okay, he didn't have to do that. He wanted me to read the gospel and learn about Jesus, and he gave me my first Bible. I need to thank somebody that I found out was a Christian in the first job that I had. She was a waitress, and she was praying for me to get saved for years. There are several people I need to go up to. The The first preacher that clearly explained the gospel to me where I finally understood, oh, okay, I see Jesus when he died on the cross. He did the work. I can't get to heaven. It's what he did. I have this sin that's in the way. And, and it finally clicked, and I got the gospel explained to me. I want 
when we get to heaven, the people in my church, I want there to be a line out the door of people from different countries that are standing in line to thank them, people they've never met, because we have sent money off to all these other countries, to people who are bringing the gospel to different nations, and that is when our investment is going to come to fruition and be mature, and we get to see the fruit of it. It's not in this life. Mm -hmm. I am probably never going to meet any of the people that have been blessed by the money that we send off, but one day we will be. And that'll be the greatest payoff of any investment I've ever made. That person and their family are now in heaven. They're not in hell. And it's because we sent money down because we had a preacher that was willing to go. And we said, look, we're, we're, we're not all willing to go, Mm -hmm. but we're happy to send money if you're willing to go, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so that's what I told our folks. That's why we're involved in missions. And um, it's hard to remember that because it's a long-term investment, mm-hmm. you know, it's forever. Mm-hmm. So that's why we support missionaries. And that's why we're always glad to host a missionary whenever they're coming through town. And I should tell you that any missionary, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if they're in Western Colorado, they need to give us four hours notice and we'll get them a hotel room and we'll give them some money and they can come and preach. I mean, we're happy to have guest missionaries come through any time yeah. um, because we want that message to always be, you know, in front of our people. So yeah. we appreciate you and your family. We're so thankful that you came. I th- want to thank you for getting on this podcast um, and being a part of this. And uh, when we're done, um, I'm going to show your kids how to get on Spotify and look up a podcast so you can listen to Very it. Very good. Yeah, you're, I don't know how Because <laughs> you're not, um, uh, podcasts might, I don't know how big they are down in Brazil, but we want you to, uh, to know how to get on here and listen, and you can share this around. So let me just tell everyone at home, uh, thank you for joining us. You can usually find us on uh, YouTube or on Facebook if you just Google Bible Thumper Podcast every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. You can find us on here. You can watch the video live. You can type in questions and comments. And we're happy to have you be a part uh, of these videos. And then also you can look us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you like to listen to your podcast, you can find us there. Just search for the Bible Thumper Podcast. And we would ask that you uh, uh, rate this podcast, like it, share it, and just help get the message around. We, we always appreciate that. So with that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support the Johnson family, you can go to BIMI.org and you can look them up under their list of missionaries. That's the mission board that they uh, are uh, where their support goes through. So that's B-I-M-I, Baptist International Missions Incorporated dot org, B-I-M-I, and look up the Johnson family. Uh, they could use your support if you want to help them out down in Brazil and with the work that they're doing. Uh, believe me, the money is going to good use. My wife and I have been, uh, I'll say sporadically supporting the Johnson family for, I don't know, you know, probably 15 years now. And, uh, we love getting their letters and hearing about what they're doing. And, uh, we've been in touch and talking about, Hey, if you ever come back to the States, we'd love to have you come through. And it finally worked out. So we're grateful for that. Uh, but, uh, 
missionaries always uh, need more help. I hate to say it, but there's a need down there. And you heard that the average family makes $850 a month. That makes it real hard to save up to build a building and to start more churches. So uh, if you can be a part of that, that'll be great. With that being said, uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next week. Actually, no, that's not right. Today's Saturday morning. We'll talk to you tomorrow night when my wife and I will be on. We're going to talk about uh, Christian families and uh, how to raise Christian kids. Have a good night.